Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. It doesn't matter whether you did it to yourself or somebody else did it to you. Hurt is hurt. If I'm holding a nail and I draw back with a hammer and I go to drive that nail and I miss and whack this thumb, if I'm holding a nail and I say, tack that into place while I hold that nail and you whack my thumb, does that thumb know any different? It doesn't matter who did it, it still hurts. We hope you find this message encouraging. There's a guy who was extremely depressed. He went to see a psychiatrist. He was just really, really, really beside himself. He went to see a psychiatrist and And he said, Doc, you just got to help me. I'm just so depressed. So the doctor talked to him at great length and and worked with him and worked with him. Just didn't seem to be able to pull him out of this funk that he was in. And finally, the psychiatrist, he said, man, he said, you are in such luck. He said, it just so happens that the circus is in town. And he said, there is a guy in the circus there. He's kind of a magician, but mainly a clown. And his name is the great Ronaldo. And he absolutely is the best performer I have ever seen in my life. And I have two tickets, and the person that was going to go with me is not able to go. And he said, I just thought of this. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to go to the circus with me tonight. And he said, I'll almost guarantee you that once you see the great Ronaldo perform... He said, you'll be changed. He said, it will lift your spirits. You, you will walk out of there a different person. Well, the guy just broke down, put his he- you know, head in his hands, and he's just almost sobbing. And he said, Doc, it's worse than you even know. And that doctor said, what are you talking about? I've given you the chance to go see the great Ronaldo. I'm sure your spirits will be lifted. And he said, you don't understand. I am the great Ronaldo. <laughs> Amen. And sometimes in life it's that way. Sometimes there are things that it's just worse than we can that we can imagine. And we try to tell people about it, and it just seems like it doesn't help. There are also things that go on that sometimes we're hurting other ways. Sometimes we're hurting physically. Sometimes we're hurting emotionally. Sometimes we're hurting spiritually. And one of the things that I think the church is called to do is not take people to the circus, but we're called to help people. And I think sometimes we get really, really busy with life and things are going on. And I think sometimes we kind of get off focus. I think we get out from understanding that that is our first and foremost call is to help people. Whether they're hurting emotionally, whether they're hurting physically, or whether they're hurting spiritually, it is our call to be involved in that. To be involved in healing. That's why hospitals originally, all the hospitals were started by churches and church people. They wanted to help people, and and so we're going to look at a couple of scriptures here. Acts chapter 3, first of all, and this is shortly uh, after the apostles have been given Jesus' ministry, and they're just going about their daily routines, and they're praying, and and, and they're about to make the 3 o'clock prayer service, being very, very good Christians, being religious, and it talks about it in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. And as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth, in other words, he had never walked, was being carried in. Now, it was, it was kind of the, um, the tradition, if you will, that a good Jewish person was going to help somebody, okay? 
And they didn't go out of their way to do it. They just did it kind of as they were heading to service and they'd make sure that there were lots of people around them and they would drop a little something-something in the, the poor guy's little coffee can there. They didn't have coffee cans back then, but you know what I'm saying. And so it was their religious duty getting checked off. Okay, check. I helped somebody today. And it was also this guy, he could, he could justify his situation by saying, well, I'm giving these religious people an opportunity to check that off their list. So people would carry him in and, and put him at the, at the gates as, the, as people were headed to the temple to do their religious duty. Then it, would, it was just it was like a, a, a symbiotic relationship. It was giving them a chance to give. It was giving him a chance to receive, and everything was good. And so they carried him in and gave him that chance. And each day he was put beside the temple gate, and this one happened to be the beautiful gate, the gate called Beautiful, so he could beg from the people that were going into the temple. And when Peter and John saw him, were about to enter, uh, he asked them for some money. They'd holler out, alms, alms for the poor, alms, alms for the poor. Just kind of reminded them. And most people wouldn't even pay them the, time of, uh, the attention to give them the time of day. They might do their religious duty and drop something in their can, but they'd basically just walk by and not make eye contact. They felt like they were a little better than that, felt like that they were you know, doing their religious duty, but I don't have to pay much attention to it. How many times do we walk by people who are hurting, and because it's easier to do so, we never make eye contact with them? I was thinking about that as I was reading that. We, we just kind of, how many times do you stop at a stop sign or a stoplight here in, in Beaumont, and somebody's there begging and what do we do? We turn the music up real loud. And we look the other way. I'm just wait, waiting for this light to change. <laughs> I don't want to look at you because then you'll know that I saw you and you'll know that I know that you know that I know that you need something. So if I don't look at you, I won't feel bad and you won't think that I'm looking down on you. Okay? So we pull up to the red light and we just kind of turn the other way. And that's what everybody was doing until Peter and John come along. And he asked them for some money. He's got his little can out and he's begging. And the lame man looked at him eagerly, expecting something, expecting a little bit of, little bit of change to hit the bottom of his can, make that little rattling money, making him a little money so he could go buy him a, a happy meal. But Peter looked at him and he said, I don't have any silver or gold, but I'll give you what I have. This is one of those times when if you've memorized it in the King James Version, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. Okay? I don't know why it's easier to memorize in the King James. <laughs> in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk! Now you know that wasn't what he was expecting to receive. You know that that wasn't even on his radar. He's expecting a little rattle in the bottom of his can so that, that they can feel good and he can get a little something-something for the rest of the day. And Peter told him, 
such as I have I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the hand and helped him up. And you want to know something? In today's society, we would be fearful to do that. Because well, what if that guy falls? They'll sue me. Amen? You think about it for a second. We would, we would be hesitant to do that. But he helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumped up. And he stood on his feet and he began to walk. And in walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them because he wasn't allowed to go into the temple until that time. You realize he couldn't even go into the service because being lame, he was considered to be unclean. Couldn't enter in, couldn't go into the temple. So the first thing he does is he jumps up and he runs around and he's hollering, I've been healed, I've been healed, and he goes in to the temple. And all of the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized that he was a lame, the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Another little portion of scripture that we're going to look at, and this is a very familiar one to probably all of us, it is the Good Samaritan. And it is in Luke's gospel. And there it is. One day an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus. In other words, kind of quiz at him. Going to make him look silly if they can. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? In other words, you read it and you know what it says. How do you read it? In other words, how do you interpret it? What do you think? You tell me what it says. And the funny thing is, he knew it already. The man answered him, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's putting two parts of the law together there. So, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, Right! Do this and you'll live. In other words, you have fulfilled everything that God requires of you when you do this. And the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and just so we're clear about this, who is my neighbor? It wasn't enough that he had already got the thumbs up from Jesus. Go and do what it says and you'll be okay. I just want to clarify, Jesus. I, you know, I want to sound important here. I want to sound philosophical. If you tell me that my neighbor is the person that lives next door to me, then I'll be sure and be good to them. But who is my neighbor? Is it just the person that lives next door to me? Is it just the person I work with? Is it just maybe the person that I go to church with? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with his parable like he uh, so often did. A Jewish man... This is important that he was a Jewish man, was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits, and they stripped him of all of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. And by chance, there was a priest that came along. This is the preacher. And when he saw him lying there, he crossed 
man's lying there in the middle of this guy didn't even just walk by him to not look at him you know look the other way at the traffic light he went all the way to the other side of the street now there's several people that i've read that told why he did that one he was headed to worship and he didn't want to defile himself because he thought the guy could be dead and if you encountered a dead body on the way you couldn't enter into the worship and all this kind of stuff but the preacher didn't stop and help him Passed by to the other side of the road. And then a temple assistant, which uh, in the other translations is a Levi. In other words, the, the Levi was the good religious man. He was the deacon. Okay? It was the preacher came by and didn't do anything. So here comes the deacon. Surely he's going to do something. And he walked over and looked at him. Okay? So he looks at him. Doesn't, doesn't do anything. But he passed by again on the other side. He looked at him, but then he crossed over to the other side of the street and he went by. And then a despised Samaritan. Now, if you don't look, know the background on this, you don't understand why a Samaritan helping him was such an important thing. The Jewish people thought the Samaritans were dirty people, unclean in every sense of it. They were uh, religiously unclean, but they were also unclean as far as their relationship to the Jewish people. This all stemmed from all the way back to when the kingdom split and you had Jeroboam in the north and Rehoboam in the south. And Jeroboam was the one who his advisors told him, said, if you'll be good to the people, they'll be good to you. If you don't tax them hard and, and you don't conscript all their sons into the military and you don't, you don't be mean to them, if you'll be good to them, they'll be good to you. But then the young guys that were his age said, tax them hard. Take all their kids and put them in the military and do everything that, the opposite of what his advisors told him. And that's what he did. He did what the young guys told him. And that's whenever the kingdom split. So he was so scared of his position that what he did was he didn't want his people, his subjects in the northern kingdom going to Jerusalem to worship. So he started another place to worship. That's why the woman at the well, who was a Samaritan, whenever Jesus put the pressure on her about who she was and what she was doing, she said, well, you all think we should worship down there, but we think we should worship up here. She was trying to detract from the whole message. She was trying to get him off, off his game there. So these Samaritans were looked down on. They were half-breeds. They were in the sense of, of, the, of the law, spiritually, they were unclean. And so here comes this Samaritan. We've already had the preacher come by. We've already had the deacon come by. And now here comes this guy that's looked down on the Jewish guy. would not have let him help him had he known what was going on. But this despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, bandaged them and then he put the man on his own donkey instead of him riding the donkey put this guy on the donkey took him to an inn where he took care of him evidently overnight set up with the guy he might have had a concussion so he sets up with him make sure he didn't slip into a coma how do i know that because the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins if you look at the worth of those two coins in relationship to what a, 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 a night in an inn would cost, it was enough to keep him put up at least for a year. It wasn't like he was just like, keep him one more night and then kick him out. 
He was like, keep him here, maybe go buy him some new clothes, all this kind of stuff. Take care of this man, and if the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I come by. See, sometimes we want to help people, but we don't want to put any skin in the game. We want to help people. We want to say, like James talks about, God bless you, be warmed and filled. But if we don't do anything about it, if, if we don't put some skin in the game, then guess what? It, it amounts to nothing. So this guy's willing to put some money behind it, put some skin in the game. And he says, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Now, he says, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the guy that was attacked? And that guy didn't have to think very long. The man replied, well, the one that showed mercy. And Jesus said, you're absolutely right. Now you go and do the same thing. So may the Lord add to his blessing to the reading and ministry of his word this morning. Just a few things that I want to look at this morning. And going back to the, to the Acts chapter, chapter 3 there. Peter and John, as they went back and, and, and go, looking at this story again, and they were being a neighbor to this guy. They weren't just passing by on the other side. They weren't just ticking off their religious duty for that day. They were a neighbor to this guy. And one of the things that I've said for a long time, we, up until now, we are a church in a community. I, I said that a long time ago when we were looking at relocating maybe. And you know what? We tried that, and evidently the Lord doesn't want us to move. So whenever it doesn't work, you know what you do? You back up and punt. And so the next step in that is us becoming a community church and not just a church in a community. So if we're going to be a church that is a community church, the thing that we got to do is be neighbors. And I, I, if somebody wants to help me do this, that'll be fine, but we're going to hit this neighborhood. And we're going to invite people. They, if I don't come, you know what? The Lord has always proven to me that he has always been faithful. Anytime I ever went to the effort of inviting people, nine, 90% of the time, people didn't come. But you know what? The Lord sent somebody else in their place. Why? Because we were faithful. He said, if you'll be faithful in the little things, we'll end up being rulers over much. And so the thing that we got to do is be faithful, and we got we got to do. So if we look at this in Acts chapter three, and what Peter and John did was they got out into the community and they met people, and they saw people for who they were, not necessarily what was going on with them at that particular moment, but they got out in the community and they met people, and they met people that were hurting, and they met people that were lost, and they met people that were emotionally, physically, and spiritually broken emotionally and physically and spiritually crippled, just like this guy was. And so the, they, they weren't hiding away. One of the things that I think the church missed, especially through the Middle Ages, was we would have these monasteries. And, and, and the Christians would block themselves away and, and keep from interacting with the world, afraid that they would get defiled by that. But Jesus said, I want you to go out into the highways and the hedges and what? Compel people. Compel them to come in. 
So what we've got to do is get out there and look outside these four walls, look outside our normal areas, and see, here's the thing. I think evangelism, if we want to look at it that way, I think interaction with people can take place anywhere. It can take place in a barbershop. It can take place at a grocery store. It can take place at the place you get your car worked on. It can take place at, at, at the place you, you, you know, wherever you go, wherever you are can become a place to reach people and to see them for who they are and see them for what's going on in their lives. And, and, and here's the thing. Often we as, as people, it's not just in the church world, but often people put on masks. Because they don't want you to see where they're hurting. They don't want you to see their weak area. But you know what? You can ask them questions. And you can get to know a person very, very quickly just by asking a few questions, getting to know them just a little bit. And that's what Peter and John were doing. And they, they looked at that guy. They just didn't pass on by. They just didn't check off their religious duty for that day. It says they looked at him intently. And he looked back and Peter said, I want you to look at us. I don't have anything to give you financially. I don't have anything to give you that's going to benefit you that way, but whatever I have, I'm going to give to you. And what did he have? He had a relationship with the Lord. He had that, he, he had that anointing touch that went through the Holy Spirit and met this guy's needs. So number one, Peter and John got out there in the community and met people where they were. Amen. Number two. Peter and John were perceptive and responded to this guy's hurt. I think far too often we give people pat answers. We give people flippant answers. And you know what? The more I've been in this, the more I've realized I don't have a whole lot of answers other than Jesus. And I think we ought to be ready at a moment's notice whenever we're prompted by the Lord to stop. And if we can't do anything else, we can pray with somebody. I shared with you a few weeks back, I had gone to the doctor's office and I was coming out and there was lots of, lots of different uh, businesses, I guess you'd say, in this area where I was going to this doctor's office. And I came out of there and I, as I was walking out of the doctor's office, here comes this little gal by me and she's just got tears just streaming down her face. And as soon as I saw her, it was one of those times I was, I was looking at her, she looked at me. And I just felt the Lord prompt me, you need to pray with this woman. And I said, she's going to think I'm the biggest creep there ever was. Because I'm telling you, we live in a day and a time when it's different than it used to be. I've been in this thing for 26 years and used to, if you'd have stopped somebody and said, hey, I feel like I need to pray with you, they wouldn't have thought that much about it except, okay, I'll be glad for you to pray with me. Nowadays, everybody thinks you're a creep. And, and, and with good reason, because there's a lot of creeps out there. So I said, like, nah, nah, that's just me. That's just me being a preacher, got, you know, wanting to pray with somebody. Nah, nah. So I walk on. I'm a few steps behind her. I stop to take the elevator down. She takes the stairs, because I'm thinking, okay, if she gets on the elevator, uh, okay, okay, God, if she gets on the elevator, I'll pray with her. How many of you ever done that kind of stuff? I remember this one person that they were in church 
And, and she was wrestling with the Lord about salvation. And, and, and this was the church that me and Angie were, were in. And she said, she told us later on, she said, I said, God, if you want me to get saved, let that red-headed woman, that red-headed girl, because back then we were young, she said, let that red-headed girl go to the altar and pray. Well, we're halfway through the altar service. And Angie goes up to the altar just to pray. And so this girl walks the aisle, gets saved. And later on, she told us, she said, it was all because of her that I got saved. <laughs> and, but we do that. We, we, okay, Lord, if you, if you want me to do this, then let a bird fly over just as an airplane intersects it right over my head and skywriting. You know, we, 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 we make all these bargains with God. So I said, okay, if she gets in the elevator, then I'll pray with her. But she took the stairs. All right, I got out of that one. Well, I get the, the elevator gets down to the bottom level just about the time she's walking off the bottom step. And it just felt like the Lord prompted me again, you need to pray with this woman. Oh, God, I don't want to. This is just weird. You know, it's just strange. And she's going to think I'm a weirdo, you know. And so I walk on out the door, and I get, I get to my truck, and it's like the Lord said, I said... I want you to pray with her. Okay. So I go back in. She's still standing there. And I said, ma'am, you're probably going to think this is strange. But I feel like the Lord told me to pray with you. And she just burst out into tears. I'm talking about just one of those where you can't even understand her. So I said, is there something I can pray with you about? And when she started crying again, I said, anything specific? And she said, just everything. So, I mean, we, we prayed a pretty broad prayer right then. But you know what? I felt like I had accomplished what the Lord told me to do. I don't, I don't know. I won't know until I get to heaven. What possibly could have come out of that? But who knows? It could be, it could be something awesome that came out of that. Maybe she was just saying, God, if, I feel like nobody cares about me. And, and if there's somebody that cares, then send somebody to pray with me. I, I don't know. I don't know what she was praying. I don't know what that was all about. There have been a few times in my life, though, whenever I have felt that, that unction to, to stop and, you know, a stranger, somebody I didn't know, and pray with them. But here's the deal. I think God's working on all of us. I, I think, I think the, the parable of the Good Samaritan there is showing that you don't have to be the preacher because the preacher misses it sometimes. And you don't have to be a deacon because the deacons miss it sometimes. You can just be plain old you and do some awesome things for God. Amen? I think that's the whole story behind that is you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to be all that in a bag of chips to be able to do something for the kingdom. And so here they were. They were perceptive. They responded to his hurt. They, they met him where he was. They didn't say, you rascal, why don't you get up and walk over here and we'll do something for you. Amen? They met him where he was. We don't have anything to give you. Hey, my pockets are empty. I got my keys in here. I don't have any money to give you. But you know what? What I have, I can give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And you know what? It forever changed that guy's life. 
just because they were willing to stop, meet him where he was, and, and, and minister to him what they had. Sometimes we think if we don't have anything, that we can't give anything. And God says, if you'll just give yourself, I'll do something with it. So Peter, and, number three, Peter and John were willing to touch the untouchable. Sometimes we are so resistant to stop and talk to anybody, minister to anybody that doesn't look like us, talk like us, smell like us, act like us. Guess what? There's some really, really bad stuff that goes on in this world. As I I have shared this, I don't know if I've ever shared it on a Sunday morning, but when I was working as a chaplain for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, one of the things that uh, on the farm, I was ranked between a captain and a major. So I had access to everything there. I had access to what they called the travel card, and that was the little card that told all about these inmates, what they did to get there, what their religious preference was, which was what I was looking at it for. But it told everything about that person. And there were a few times, you know, that everything was locked down, and I'd have to go up to the to the information room and, and pull somebody's travel card and get information about what they said their religious preference was so I could get them stuff for their religious preference. I couldn't give them, couldn't give them a prayer beads, you know, a rosary, unless they said they were Catholic. I couldn't give them decker beads, which is what the Muslims have, unless they had uh, said that they were Muslim. Okay? They couldn't have the kufis or anything like that unless they said they were Muslim. So I would have to approve or disapprove anything. That, so sometimes I'd just, you know, if we were on lockdown, there wasn't much to do. So I'd get to reading some of this stuff. And I'm telling you, there was some of the most demonic stuff that people did to get in prison. I mean, in case, you know, in case you were wondering, you don't get there for chewing gum too loud or, or singing too loud in the choir and that kind of stuff. And I, I would look at that and I'd say, in my wildest, nightmarish dreams, I would never think of doing some of the stuff that these people did to other people. But you know what? There were some that I got the privilege and the honor of introducing them to Jesus, and they had never heard of him before. You would think in, in U.S. of A., especially in Texas, that there wouldn't be anybody that had never heard about Jesus. But there were plenty of them. And if I had looked at it, and sometimes it was hard to differentiate what this, what this rascal did to get here versus you need Jesus. And sometimes it's hard for us. We'll meet somebody on the street, and maybe, they're, maybe they've been over there smoking or shooting drugs, whatever they were doing. And we think, you rascal, why are you doing that? You deserve everything you got. But you know what? Jesus can change all. Now, this guy was lame from birth, so we know it wasn't necessarily a decision he made, but I've said this for a long time. It doesn't matter whether you did it to yourself or somebody else did it to you. Hurt is hurt. If I'm holding a nail and I draw back with a hammer and I go to drive that nail and I miss and whack this thumb, or Doug, if I'm holding a nail and I say, tack that into place while I hold that nail and you whack my thumb, does that thumb know any difference? He just knows he got whacked. It doesn't matter who did it, it still hurt. 
And sometimes we want to judge people off of what they've done. And you, you rascal, you deserve everything you got because you, you let go of that nail. You jumped out there in front of Doug's hammer. What'd you do that for? Does that console that thumb at all? No, it's still going to turn purple and the nail's probably going to fall off. So hurt is hurt and pain is pain. And so often we want to tie up what that person did to get there with the fact that they need Jesus. And so many times what we need to do is we need to go out here and even if we know a background with somebody, sometimes we need to look at it with fresh eyes or, or put on the spectacles of heaven and say, okay, you need to make a life change here. And Jesus is the only way I know to do that. Such as I have, I give unto thee. So they were willing to go out there and touch the untouchable, to, to minister to those that didn't look like them, talk like them, act like them, do the same things that they did. And that's, that's in so many different ways. That's for the addict who, who needs to meet Jesus for real. That's to the person who's made some poor life change decisions and, and they need to make that change to be able to do something better. Somebody say amen. amen. Number four. They gave this guy what he needed and over what he wanted. Sometimes we give them what they want because we know that'll give them a little solace for a minute and it really makes us feel good about who we are. Yeah, hello. We get to check off our little box. Did my religious duty for today. Aren't you proud of me, God? It, it would have been a lot easier for Peter and John to do that. They'd have had about a five-second exchange with this guy. They could have gone on with going in and praying, and they'd have felt a whole really good deal better about themselves once they got in there and they could pray like that guy did. God, I thank you that I'm not like that guy. You remember that little exchange? The one guy's over there praying. He says, oh, God, be merciful to a sinner like me. Another guy says, I'm glad I'm not like him. Thank you, Lord. They could have had a five-second exchange with this guy, walked in feeling really good about themselves. I dropped a dime in his little bucket, and I feel so much better about me. It really took more of them to say, listen, I ain't got nothing except what I've got in my heart. And, and here, buddy, give me your hand. <gasps> you just touched somebody that was unclean. But guess what? In the scheme of things, it would have never been written down in Acts chapter 3 if they'd have just dropped a dime in his bucket and went on in to pray. It would never make an eternal difference. Sometimes we've got to look beyond what they're expecting what they think they need, sometimes even beyond what we think they need. Because sometimes we think they just need a good, let me just pick you up and shake you a little bit. Basically, the more we know them, the more we tend to be that way. Awfully easy to just, be, would you just get yourself straightened up? But this guy... Wasn't expecting that they'd do anything beyond check off their little religious duty that day. And they went in there and gave the guy what he needed, not what he wanted or even expected. 
And sometimes that's the tougher thing to do. And what we know as born-again believers, we know that everybody out here, regardless of their situation, everybody needs Jesus. I had a pastor years ago, worked with him quite a, quite, quite a few years. And one of the things that he told me just days before he left this life was he said, I have spent most of my life helping the down and outers. And he said, if I could go, go and do it all again, he said, I would spend just as much time with the up and outer as I have the down and outer. Because they need Jesus just as bad. And see, sometimes we, it's awfully easy for us to spot the down and outer, the guy that's begging, the guy that, you know, alms, alms for the poor. But you know what? We meet people every day that look like they've got it together. That they may pull out their wallet and they may have lots of money. But on the inside, they're just as in bad a shape as this guy was. So we've got to be ready in every instance. Silver and gold might not do you any good, but such as I have, I give unto thee. Or, in that guy's case, silver and gold have I none. That's what you're looking for, buddy. I got none. But let me give you what I got. Amen. We need to we need to be reminded sometimes our calling on this earth while we're here for this short time is to minister Jesus to whoever needs it.